hello, it's your boy Vern Lee, Mr. Get Some Going. How you guys doing today? I came back out to my spot. Um, we're going to do some more rambling today. Should I say some somewhat thought out rambling? We're going to respond to Mr. Ben and a little bit of the chatter that's been going on lately um, about this hot takes situation. Because, I don't know, I, I will say that I don't think that what I was saying is completely understood, that's one thing. And also, I feel like a little bit of clarity as far as where we're coming from, where we get our mindset from, and why we believe in this groupthink theory that I put out there. Uh, why I think why we think it's it's true so here we go uh, first of all hello versus community how are you always good to serve you guys and we're gonna start there you know one of the things mr. Ben said was that he, he I feel like mr. Ben took umbrage like he was a bit offended at the whole groupthink thing, as if we are um, calling out the community in a derogatory manner, um, maybe even elevating ourselves a little bit. And this is my response to that. I have to say, first of all, I agree. The community as a whole is awesome, not only from the personalities involved in the community, but also Team Apex and myself personally, we have a great deal of respect for all of the players in the versus community, especially the ones that have had success and also those who, you know, may not have had as much success as some of the very prominent players in the community, but just go about doing their own things and continuing to improve in their own way. I've commented many times on and offline about how much better as a whole people are at playing this game whether they are winning or not the competitions at tournaments the it has improved to a great degree where you don't have mo many easy matchups at this point and that's a testament to how good the community is and how dedicated they are to improving at the actual game so i just want to start there by saying what i said is not a diss to the community as a whole that's not where i'm coming from with that um in actuality because I, I i i often get the feeling in hearing commentary uh from other players uh sometimes out in the open sometimes hidden behind the play wall but we not we're not going to go there um that team apex thinks a little bit too much of itself and I, and I have to say, that is not the case. In actuality, the Team Apex philosophy and the way we go about doing things and the things that we say comes from a place of humility. And what I mean by that is we don't think we're better than anybody, especially when we first started. Team Apex actually comes from a place of being destroyed at attorney. <laughs> we do things the way that we do 
because we don't assume that we know more than anybody else or that we're better than anybody else. Um, I think that a lot of times it gets lost on the fact, a lot of times the facts behind the situation get lost because we don't always explain ourselves directly why we're saying what we're saying. Um, and I think sometimes people think we're just spitting out thoughts without having the testing to go behind it. And that is not the case. We say what we say because we've put it into action and seen the results. So let's just go into group think, this whole group think discussion. Now, Mr. Ben, he said that group think overall is looked at as negatively in the world. And that's that's true. But when I when I brought up the whole group think idea, first of all, because of the way the game works, uh, because of the variance within the card plays and card draws, uh, who who ends up winning dice rolls, who goes first, as well as the variance between the players and how they play and the mindsets that they have when they play, groupthink is not some solid structure or something that lacks nuance. So I don't compare it to the way you would look at uh, maybe a corporation or society the way it's set up. I wasn't thinking about that at all. I was just thinking about the fact that there are a lot of vocal players and the, and the vast majority of people seem to, I don't want to say just follow the leader or like puppets because I don't think that's what it is. But I think they tend to listen to a lot of what the better players or a lot of the more vocal players have to say. So, first I want to say the reason that I can say for a fact that that's the case is because I used to be one of the masses. There was a time when, where there was no Team Apex and where you didn't hear us talking about things online every few weeks. And there was a time where we weren't going to tournaments and everybody knew who we were. <laughs> and we were sitting at the better at the top tables. There was a time where we were the people that wanted to be sitting at the top tables, having a chance to compete and win checks and and win events. And before we were who we are now, we we're listening to what the prominent player said. We were listening to what Team Attack was saying, what Mr. Ben was saying, what Adam Logan was saying. That was the basis for what we built our strategies upon. Now, granted, yes, we did our own little testing. It was nowhere near what it is now. But much of what we thought was based on what we were told and what we heard. And I know the same applies to many other players um, who may not have been as dedicated when they first started. You know, there's a difference between people who are just getting onto the scene or just want to start trying to go into a, go into attorney and trying to compete. There's a difference between that version of us and the version of us that is here where we dedicate ourselves to training and testing as much as possible and looking for every little in and out that we possibly can. So, when you, before you dedicate yourself to that degree, you may not have the time or even the energy to even 
not be <laughs> a person that's really paying attention to what the better players are saying. Now, do I think groupthink is bad when it comes to this game? My answer to that is the, it depends. And and this is why I think things are confusing, right? So groupthink to me it exists because you can find you can get better as a player by paying attention to the trends and what's going on at the tourneys. When a person that's successful tells you what they think about cards, it would be foolish to not listen. When I talk to people that play this game, it's not because I think I know better than them. It's because I think I can learn something from them. Whether we're playing or talking, I'm getting ideas and information, and I can add that to what I already know. So it would be silly to be a part of this community and not have some type of intake of what the group thinks overall. And I don't think it's a, an insult to say that that's what happens. My major point was that groupthink is a little bit too strong to the point that so many things in the game are overlooked or dismissed or there's bias against many of the cards or there's an unhealthy fear for some of the cards because some people are so vocal that there, it, there's just a sense that permeates a lot of the game. There's a sense of dread over, for example, cards like Dark Phoenix, where you feel like, oh, Dark Phoenix is the worst thing I ever because it exists. I hate that it even exists. Or this particular card is so bad. Why would you even make this card? You can't do anything with it. There are definitely biases when it comes to certain different cards. And my point was it creates a weakness because it skews your testing. Now, I want to clarify. I don't believe that people aren't testing. That's crazy. People are definitely testing. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if people test more than Team Apex does. They just don't test necessarily the same way that Team Apex does. Um... But the reason we can say that this is the case is because we've used groupthink to figure out weak points and metas. And since the time that Team Apex officially formed and we, and we came up with this way to read the meta, we have consistently read the meta properly and found counters for it to the point where there's only been one tourney we've been to where we haven't had someone at least in the top eight. Now, I remember when we first started as Team Apex and all of our victories, and not victories, let me let me let me scratch that because full disclosure, we've never won a tourney, a main tourney. We've won plenty of side events, but we've never won a main tourney. But many even that was written off as flukes. Um and after about a year of saying it wasn't that it was flukes, then it became, oh, well, they're just catching people off guard. Uh, more on catching people off guard later. <laughs> and now everybody expects us to be there, but they don't know what it is we're going to play. I don't. And, and honestly, I don't know how much people think about what we're going to play when they when they formulate. I don't know if anybody who's at their testing tables is worrying about 
Oh, what's Team Apex going to play? We may still be jokes to people. <laughs> you know, it may be a situation where, hey, as long as we play what what is the best, we, we will be Team Apex at some point, even if it's in the top eight. And that's how you think, hey, keep going that route. But the point is, we're coming from the mindset of a group of players who think that they are just like anybody else and feels like this is a viable strategy to counter what the group thinks overall. And whatever you think about what we say when it comes to this topic, you cannot say that we haven't proven ourselves to be right because we continue to have success doing things this way and looking at things this way. So, let me take some time out to talk about Dark Phoenix because to me, this is the silliest. <laughs> this is the, one of the silliest things in, in versions of groupthink that I think happens in the community. The fact that we're still talking about Dark Phoenix to this degree, to the point where people don't even want to discuss the card, is crazy to me. It is crazy to me. And really, ever since Dark Phoenix first came out, and this is also the way Team Apex really looks at things overall. A lot of people saw Dark Phoenix and was like, wow, that card is so strong. I don't want to deal with that card. Team Apex looked at it and was like, yeah, that's a problem. Okay, how do we how do we deal with it? And that's what I think. Uh, that's what I think the difference lies when it, it, it comes to the mindset is where some people just I don't want to say for a fact that some people see it and they just dread it because I don't think that would be fair but sometimes it feels that's the case we see the cards and we say okay I'm going to beat that card this is what I'm going to do to do it and then we test ways to do it and we are confident about dealing with it because we've done it already if you look into the Dark Phoenix supporting character history, when was the last time it actually mattered? Yes, it may, it may have been involved, but it's, it, it has been a long time since it is what is decided games. And that's because there are so many counters to it. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm sure Ben will comment on this because I know him, me talking about it twice in a row is too much for him. We can move on. Um... One of the interesting things Ben said was he used us as an example of groupthink. And that is just erroneous. First of all, everybody in Team Apex is completely different. We don't, <laughs> we don't operate on groupthink at all. We all are completely different players. We all have completely different mindsets. Uh, for example... Uh, a lot of people in the community think that I'm basically just a <laughs> an, an instrument of, an instrument used to bludgeon people. Like I just come out there and I just hit people in the face. I'll let you keep believing that, okay? Uh, we got we we talk about Bam. Bam is a mostly emotional deck builder. Now we and we have a few emotional deck builders, but Bam is different. Like Bam, the reason Bam is able to have success with main characters like Buffy 
is because when Bam is emotionally attached to a main, it just unlocks a different level of ability with him. I don't understand it because that is not me. Uh, but for some reason, he's able to take characters that he likes and whatever it is, I don't know. He's able to have success with them. Uh, and sometimes it matters well. I don't even think he should be able to have success with them in. You cannot write off two top four performances with Buffy as surprising someone or a fluke. Buff, there's nothing surprising about Buffy. You know what she does. So it's not a surprise. He didn't shock anybody. He didn't catch anybody off guard. He beat them. Now, did some fortunate things happen? Yes. That's what it takes in order to get into the top four, especially with the way the metas are in these formats nowadays. There are just too many good cards now to write anything off. So that's that point. Uh, also, you know, we, we have we have a we have a, a mad scientist on our group. That's Jamar. We have a card drawing crazy person. That's Ralph. We have a guy that likes to hit people in the face, but likes to be prepared for all situations. That's sale. And I can go on and on and on and on describing the different personalities in the group and how it affects the way we think when it comes to deck building. But I'm telling you, it's not about us getting together and deciding this is what works and that's what works and everybody coming to an agreement. That is not how Team Apex does things or how we think. Um, so I just want to put that out there. Here are some of the main characters that we have played and had success with. And the reason I'm going to do this is because one of the things Mr. Ben said was, I don't think anybody, anything that anybody says on a podcast will change someone's tier list, which we're also going to get into. I never made that claim. I don't think that just because a podcaster gets on and starts talking about a main that everybody's going to automatically say, uh, yeah, oh, they, they were in tier four. Now that I have them in tier one because a podcaster said it or a prominent person in the versus community said it. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I do think that anything somebody who's good <laughs> at the game says, if you if you're good at the game and some and you come out and you make a strong statement about a main, whether it's negative or positive, it's going to open some eyes and ears. It does it for us. And we are, are a part of that community. We are a part of the podcast community. When we hear Bert say something, we listen. It opens our eyes and ears. When we hear you say something, we listen. We don't necessarily agree, but we do take note of the fact that, okay, Ben thinks this. Uh, and we'll get into more on of that, how we uh, how we do things based on what people hear a little bit later. But what I want to do is I want to bring out um, some of the mains that we've won at majors with. <laughs> that we've topped with or majors with. And you'll notice there's a there's a. A lot of differences in what people consider tiers. Some of these are tier one characters or considered tier one characters by the group as a whole. And some of them, people will be like, why would you guys even play these guys? So here's some mains that we've, we've topped with and got checks with. 
Defenders Luke Cage. Quake twice. X-23. Kingpin. Old Juggernaut. Viv Vision. Odin twice. Pro Registration Spider-Man. Cloak and Dagger. Royce. Black Suit Spider-Man. New Villain Thanos. Falconer. Mr. Black. Crimson Cow. And as you already know, Buffy twice. Now, a lot of these mains people were considered to be middling. A lot of some of these mains people were considered to be terrible. Royce, for example. And there are a few tier one mains sprinkled within there. The point is, the mains that we played, we played them at the right time. Okay? It's it's the timing. And the dedication that went into it that determined that those mains would have success. Which you may think that helps Ben with his point of we're catching people off guard or we just successfully found a counter for that situation. Uh, but if people were ready for it, <laughs> then it wouldn't have happened. All right. So I got a few things to say for today. First of all, if you're not ready for something, that's on you. It's not our job to make you be ready <laughs> for what we play. And that's the, that's the thing that's crazy to me because that that's really something that's used as a as a discrediting to what's being done. Why aren't you ready for it? If you're testing, okay? Cuz this whole thing is about how can you say that we didn't test properly? Well, if you tested properly, you should have been prepared. You should have been ready for the possibilities and you shouldn't have dismissed what could be played. If you did that, that is on you, not us. That's the first thing. Secondly, the MCs that we play, we play them because we know that they can win. It's based on testing. It's not based on theory. It's not based on any biased thought processing. We may have had some type of thought process about these cars before we tested, but we play them because we tested and they had success. So I say that to say this, when it comes to tears, and this, this is very important here, because we have so many new cars released pretty much every month for the most part. And because our formats change every three months, we have to understand that tiers are fluid. What may be tier three in one format may be tier one in the next format. See, part of the problem is I think that people have set tiers in their minds for certain mains and they, they just leave them there. I'm not saying that that's it's completely 100% accurate, but what I'm saying is you have your thought process about a main, and that's what you think about that main. This main is good. This main is bad. And I say that because when you talk about it, I hear that. We hear it. And that's how we're able to counter what's being done. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a few of these MCs that we've had success with, and I'm going to go into our thought process for those formats and for those tourneys and why we played them and how it happened. Now, 
The first thing I'm going to talk about is a main that I used at Gen Con. I think it was 2019 for the Coda format. Um, now, this format, I did not top at this Gen Con. But this is when I played Iceman. <laughs> now, people say we don't reveal a lot. But if you remember, if you were listening to our podcast and you were paying attention to what I was saying, in articles that I was writing as well as posts I was putting on in the in the Versus Collective. I was very clear that I liked Iceman. Now what was funny about it is that I knew people would take it as a joke. <laughs> because most people had negative thoughts about Iceman from Jump. He's only got one he's only got one defense. And when he levels up he, he only goes up to like what, two or three? I don't even remember. And he's only got five health. I played Iceman specifically because I knew Iceman was good against Rogue. And I figured most people, despite the fact that there are that Rogue X23 and Mimic exists, all three of those were, were tier one mains there. Our community, nine times out of ten, usually goes for the character that hits in the face. So my goal was in a meta where there's basically a three-way, a three-headed snake, and you really couldn't prepare for all three, was to prepare for the main that I thought I would see the most. I tested Iceman against Rogue, and at that time, with the card period, with the card period, with the card pool that we had at the time, Iceman had a huge advantage against Rogue. That may not be the case now, or I'll just go out and flat out say it's not the case now. But at the time, it was definitely the case. And I proved it at the tourney because the four rogues I played against, I beat three of them. I would have beat the four, but the fourth rogue that I played against, ironically, froze Iceman four times. He got he got his, ice, his one-drop Iceman four times, so the guy that I was trying to attack with, Iceman from the back row couldn't do what he was supposed to do so he edged out the victory um i lost because of that one that one loss might be what kept me out of the top eight um so yeah that was that mindset it wasn't about oh i'm emotionally invested in this character and i think that i can catch people off guard no it's because i knew iceman would be rogue most of the time the only way you find that out is if you test it And honestly, if you really were testing Iceman like that, you would have found that out too. See, it's not about me me or us thinking that we know better than you. We just know you aren't testing like that. It's that simple. See, one of the things we recognize is that you guys test gauntlets. And you formulate your gauntlets based on knowledge, it is based on knowledge, but there's also a little bit of bias. And what we've noticed is that your gauntlets are formulated pretty early in the process. So you've already narrowed down. I don't know how big your gauntlets are. I know they're at least eight mains long. Maybe some of you extended a little bit farther. But early in the process, you've already narrowed down what the eight to ten best decks are. And you focus on testing against those decks. 
Team Apex does not have gauntlets. We test everything. From what it, from mains that people think are terrible to mains that people think are automatically title contenders. And by testing in that way, we're able to find out, okay, what can these mains actually do against what everybody thinks is good? That's how we are able to discover different counters. If you, who we believe are just as good as we are, and in some cases we think are better than us, you will find out the exact same thing we find out. That's why we don't assume that we are catching anybody off guard or it's a surprise. We assume you know the same thing we know. Now, maybe that's not the case. You tell me. Let's go with Quake. Quake was the first main character that I topped with way back in Origins 2000. I don't know if it was 17 or 18. I don't remember. I always liked Quake. When that when that box first came out, I knew that that was a character I would want to play with. Um, during the time Quake, I was testing Quake for Origins. There was a whole whole big three it was called the trinity we had thor we had mystique from film fatales and we had um dark phoenix i talked to people around the community at that time we were starting to become a little bit more known team apex was formed already and um the thought process about Quake was not very positive. I think at best people thought she was a middling main. They liked what she could do, but they didn't trust her. So I, on the other hand, I thought she was good. Thing about Quake is in testing, Quake had Quake had the advantage against Mystique. She had Somewhat of a 50-50 matchup against Dark Phoenix. Honestly, to me, it was more 55-45 her way. Maybe even 60-40. The only person she was weak against was Thor. But we had a feeling at the time because of Thor fatigue and because everybody was on Dark Phoenix at the time and because during all of the small tourneys, People were going back and forth between Thor and Dark Phoenix. And we was like, oh, it's Dark Phoenix's turn now because Thor was the last major. <laughs> so at that tourney, at that Origins, there were way more Dark Phoenixes than anything else. And I beat more Dark Phoenixes than I lost to at that tourney to get into my first top eight. So once again, the thought process is in the meta. We were able to, to glean what people were going to do by what people say and by what the group thinks. Because let me tell you, the group is very transparent. Our community is very open about what they think about main characters and other cards. So it's not difficult to determine what a person thinks is good and what a person thinks is bad. And that's a that's no problem. That's a great thing. But when you're vocal about things of that nature and when 
a person can look at what you play and what other people are playing because of what you play, it makes it easy to formulate a counter. And when we also know that there seems to be some bias against certain other characters and because there seems to be a lack of desire to take chances when money is involved, it makes it easier to come up with counters that people aren't expecting. And once again, I've already said, if you aren't expecting it, that's on you because you should have tested it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Odin and Midwinter 2020. Now, Midwinter 2020, everybody knew how great Outriders was. Uh, we haven't talked about this off uh, outside of Patreon, so we'll talk about it now. That was that was one of the hardest testing sessions we'd ever done because nobody on team apex wanted to play outriders i played so much outriders oh my my team didn't even want to play outriders i played so many matches with outriders with so many different variations from the uh we tried the mono version because of the new i forgot what the name of that card that proprietary technology card i did that version i did a tech version because i realized he doesn't outriders don't really need their supporting characters to attack i tried just a straight up curve version i tried tried a short curve version i made when i tell you i i, I made a lot of good outriders decks i'm telling you i definitely could have played outriders at that tourney and, and had a great chance to win it but we were determined to find mains that could beat Outriders. And through testing, we did. Let me tell you how we read that meta. A lot of people were on Valkyrie. They thought Valkyrie could beat Outriders. And through testing, they were correct. Valkyrie could definitely beat Outriders. But what we discovered through testing is that at the time, with the carpool that was there, a version that could beat Outriders was not very good against most of the other main characters. Okay? So, we had to determine, okay, is someone going to play Valkyrie because they think it's only going to be Outriders there? Or are they going to switch off of Valkyrie because she can't beat the field if she's built to, build, to beat Outriders? So what we have to do is we have to, we have to say, okay, how many other mains do we think everybody else will believe is good enough so that they can't play Outriders? Because we, what we also do is that nobody wanted to play Outriders. <laughs> so there is, it's, more, it's more than just about cards. It's also about the psychology of the thing and how people think. Um, once the mayor was discovered and what the mayor could do, we knew, okay, some people are going to switch off of the Outriders and go for the mayor. And then there was the whole Red Skull deck that was going around. So the next thing to do was to test Red Skull to see how viable Red Skull was against the Outriders. And what we saw was most of the time Red Skull couldn't get it done. Because the Outriders are just killing his field so he doesn't have the opportunity to be able to do the little, you know, the little trick where you got to. I'm not going into the deep throw thing. You, you know what you know what it does. So once we determined that there will most likely not be any Red Skull, we need to find something else that could beat Outriders that could deal with, in our opinion, Valkyrie. So that's when we started testing 
Odin and the Bark Monsters. A lot of people don't know this, but Bark Monsters was, was actually going to be my first choice. Because it took us a long time to figure out how to get Odin to build to be able to beat Outriders. Um, once we realized, okay, Photo has a ton of small drops with range that can get to Outriders. And once we realized that most people are just not going to attack Odin, they're going to let him level up. The theory was, okay, we'll stick Odin in the front. He'll hit an Outrider. All these guys in the back, characters that aren't being played like Scourge. Scourge can come out, drop a red, kill two Outriders, and then shoot another one. Yandu can come out, drop negatives on Outriders. And because you're not attacking, they don't have any count. Outriders don't have any counters because of Grandmaster. You know, different little things like that. We realize that it's difficult for the Outriders to take down Odin. Once we figured that out, we chose Odin. And the next thing was, okay, can Odin be Valkyrie built the way he's built? And the answer was no. So what actually ended up happening is we had to make a metal call. Do we think Valkyrie is going to show up? And once we realized that Valkyrie had to be built a certain way to beat the field, and the way that she had to be built to beat the field could not beat Outriders, we said, okay, we don't think Valkyrie is going to show up. And we, we were completely correct. No Valkyrie, no Red Skull. That allowed Odin to wreak havoc on the Outriders. And so we got two Odins in the top eight. Now, granted, we didn't win because, unfortunately, my Odin ran into um, the mayor. And Sale lost to Bert's strategy to sit back and wait. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that Sale wasn't even around for the Odin texting. He built that deck on a whim because for the last few weeks prior, he was sick. So a lot of the, the anti-weight strategies that I had put in my deck, he didn't have. I, ooh, I wish I would have played Burton Attorney. But anyway. Um, <clears throat> now, that Odin deck against Outriders in this carpool would not have the advantage. But see, that's the whole thing. Every meta is different and timing matters. But there are there's a rhyme and reason behind what we do and how we do it. And it's not to catch people off guard. It's because we know it works. We never assume we're doing something that nobody else knows. I'm sorry, but I don't have secret sauce. I just play. Jamar has some secret sauce, but that's Jamar. Alright, let's look at one. Nope, maybe two more. Let's talk about Royce. Good old Royce. You know, <laughs> I haven't talked about Royce much uh, outside of Patreon. But I'm going to talk about it now. The Singularity situation was interesting because it opened up a lot of possibilities. A lot of the better mains require consistency in order to function. And in reality, Singularity doesn't help Royce out at all. Royce wants consistency. But because of the way the Singularity event worked and because it threw so many people off as far as what to play, um, it required a, a huge thought process of how you want to, to proceed. So our first goal with Singularity was to determine, okay, are people going to play Thor? 
Because we knew nobody was going to play Dark Phoenix. And we knew nobody was going to play Mystique. But are people going to play Thor simply because he can just flip a blue and get three counters on your main? If we thought people were going to play Thor, Royce would not have been played. And my second choice, Black Widow, would not have been played. But what kept us from believing people would play Thor was because Captain Marvel from, uh, I'm sorry, Miss Marvel from Avengers had come out. And Miss Marvel was doing very well in singularity testing. Miss Marvel would definitely not have cared if Thor was played because of her alien, whatever that mess is, whatever her keyword is. And in testing, we realized this is a format that she would beat Thor in, even if that wouldn't be the case in most formats. So once Thor was removed from the equation, that opened up the ability to play other characters that you wouldn't play just because Thor existed. Royce was a main that we had been testing as a team hard since he came out. We've always liked his abilities. So the problem was it was very hard to win consistently with Royce because figuring out the strategy to do it was tough. For one, he didn't have the cards necessary in order to be to succeed. And for two, um his his first, his level one ability, we were making a mistake of believing you're supposed to use that early so you can level with him. But the truth was in order to level early with Royce, you just have to play supporting characters at the beginning of the game that can not only get stuns, but also will get stunned. So a character like uh, Primeval Hunter, he's going to get a stun, which is going to give Royce an XP, and he's going to stun himself on the attack, which is going to get him another XP. So once we were able to consistently get Royce leveled on turn three, and in some cases turn two, depending on what your opponent played, you were just off to the races. And now from turn three onward, all you're doing is protecting Royce. So without negative counters being out there, Royce can hide behind blockers like uh, Jessica Jones and Miss America and all of that and you can use those extra uh, <laughs> those extra health that your supporting characters have so that you can get value trades later in the game with those yellows there's nothing more satisfying than stunning a one drop with Royce or wounding a one drop with Royce to wound to, to, to wound a, <laughs> a dark phoenix that you thought was going to block you um anyway that was something that was brought about by figuring out the meta and then testing what's left it's not an emotional thing it's not a i think i know better than you thing it was about testing last thing i want to talk about let's go with pro red spidey and i'm bringing pro red spidey up because Mr. Ben brought this particular format up without realizing it when he talked about uh, <laughs> Flash Thompson. And this is going to be another example of how what comes out of your mouth is how is what helped us. Now, I believe what this was the second chance format for midwinter last year. And when Flash Thompson was previewed, everybody loved him. Oh, look at all the cars he can draw. He can just level up whenever he wants to. And, ooh, I can use this. To, I can use Flash Thompson to draw my whole deck. And 
and I can use the machine and I can do Sentinel and uh, I can do the whole Senator Kelly thing. And all of that was accurate. All of it. And everybody thought it was just going to be Doom and Miss Marvel and Flash Thompson at that event and some Venom. And for the most part, that's what it was. So it was either <laughs> play Carol and get huge and kill people real quickly. Or it was get Doom and Flash Thompson out there and flood the field with, Sen with Sentinels and get Senator Kelly out there and whatever other late game shenanigans you have going on. People were so vocal about this. Everybody knew what was going to happen. There were even pods and discussions in Discord about how everybody knew what was going to happen. I got so tired of hearing that. That's where Pro Red Spidey came in. I said, I'm not losing to that strategy. And guess what? I didn't lose to that strategy. <laughs> it's that simple. Because Spider-Man said, I don't care about that. I don't care about anything you're going to do. I'm going to kill everything you put out here. And I'm going to go in the back row when you try to hide something. And I'm going to hit your main or I'm going to hit your Senator Kelly. Now, was that catching anybody off guard? Spider-Man is a tier one main. We all know about Spider-Man. You knew he existed. But for some reason, you didn't consider that possibility. So again, all of this testing that everyone is doing, that this admittedly awesome community is doing, and I don't know exactly what's going on in people's homes when they're testing, but there's definitely some things being overlooked. And all we're simply saying is these biases that exist, because let me be clear, we have biases too. We just fight against them. All of these 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 biases that we that exist formulate some type of group thought process that continues to build these trends of playing certain MCs. And I'm not going to say you don't test. But it's clear based on results that things are being missed. Now I'm going to stop it there. I can keep going. I can bring up Red Skull at the <laughs> Red Skull at the online midwinter from a few years ago. That's something else you dropped the ball on in testing, Mr. Ben. There's definitely bias. That's all I'm saying. So you want to take this as a call out? That's fine. Take it as a call out. But please don't take it as some emotional thing that has not been proven by not only what we've accomplished, <laughs> but what we continue to do and what we will continue to do. You can say that we're catching people off guard. But if we are catching you off guard, whose fault is that? Because that's not what we're trying to do. We're just testing and playing based on what we test. But what you can't do at this point is call what Team Apex does a fluke. Anyway, I'm done talking junk. Uh, I hope everybody understands how Team Apex really looks at itself when it comes to the community. 
Uh, and I hope everybody understands that we respect everyone. We respect the thought process. We understand why some people just say, oh, I'm going to take the best vein and I'm going to try to win with it. We get it. What we're saying is, why not take a look at something else that's been proven to work and see how it works out for you? I'm not saying you have to. We're saying open your eyes, expand your horizons and try to influence the meta in your own way and see what success you can have. It's up to you. I'm Vern Lee. I've talked enough. Can't wait to see what you guys think. Thanks for listening. I'm out.